This episode of the Art of Manliness podcast is brought to you by the Art of Manliness store at store.artofmanliness.com. You can find all sorts of Art of Manliness swag, including our world-famous coffee mugs. These are not your regular office desk coffee mugs. They're big and hefty. They look like a vintage camp mug. We've got our Stay Manly mug, and we also have our vintage, our, our classic Art of Manliness like maroon mug. Looks really great. Got posters, t-shirts, a pocket knife, our Ben Franklin Virtues Journal, a lot of other stuff there. So go check it out, store.artofmanliness.com. And if it's your first time purchasing, use code AOMPODCAST to get 10 percent off your order. All your purchases at the Art of Manliest store help support the content we produce on the Art of Manliest podcast as well as on theartofmanliest.com. Thank you. Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. According to my guest today, the past decade has seen the rise of a truly soul-sucking food trend. In fact, he argues, it's creating a hell on earth. What is this mealtime monster? It's brunch. My guest's name is Brandon Newnham, and he, along with his co-author Rico Galliano, are on a mission to destroy brunch and bring back the dinner party. Brandon and I begin our conversation discussing why brunch has become big business in America, but why he thinks it's terrible for us individually and also as a society. We then dig into why we should bring back the dinner party as the preferred mealtime social event. Brennan explains why hosting a dinner party is a pretty dang manly affair and why dinner parties are so much better than brunch. He then gets into the nitty gritty of hosting a dinner party, including the optimal day to schedule one, the best way to invite people, and who to invite. Brandon shares why the food isn't the most important thing on a dinner party, while also providing some easy entree options that people will love. We end our conversation discussing how to handle small talk and controversial discussion topics, why the party is just getting started after the food has been eaten, and how to give people the hint they need to leave if they're staying too long. After listening to the show, you'll be jonesing to host a dinner party of your own. After the show's over, check out our show notes at aom.is slash brunch is hell. Brendan Francis Newnham, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So you and your co-author, Rico, wrote a yeah. book and you have a podcast. First off, you guys have a podcast called The Dinner Party Download. You guys just came out with a book called Brunch is Hell, How to Save the World by Throwing a Dinner Party. So let's start off with the title, man. That's that's pretty provocative. My seven-year-old son sees that, Brunch is Hell, and he's like, <laughs> that is, dad, brunch is not hell, and that's terrible. Oh. So oh. why is brunch hell? Why do you have this vendetta against brunch? Well, I th- first of all, I thought you were going to say that your son wouldn't be able to look at it because it's a bad word, but apparently your household, <laughs> th- those rules don't apply. We're loosey-goosey around here. Yeah. It, it, I mean, doesn't, I mean, don't you feel it in your heart that brunch is hell? And if you don't, I, I would just say that, you know, we all, we all work hard every week. We, we, you know, do our best as uh, parents, as employees, as, as teammates, as human beings. And then, you know, we get a couple days a week to kind of relax or collect our thoughts or think about our future or kind of repair in some sense. And what do we do with one of those days? We stab it in the heart by waiting in line for breakfast at around, or not even breakfast, this hybrid meal around noon, one o'clock, and then maybe we go inside and then it's this really loud place playing tinny music. And then you sit down and then you wait and then you have a surly servant who comes by and offers you something and then it takes forever to get it. And then you consume all this food and you drink a couple bottomless mimosas and then you pay way too much money for eggs and then you leave. And now it's like 3.30 and you're drooling on yourself a little bit because you you were day drinking. And now all that ambition has, has, has gone away and you still have a bunch of day left. 
and you've kind of just ruined ruined one of your one of your opportunities to kind of grow and be fully human. And so brunch, I feel like, is uh, just kind of jamming people's radar. It's 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 bad. It's like false kind of false calories. It feels satisfying, but it's a poor form of leisure. Look, we don't think that you shouldn't entertain. We shouldn't have fun, and you should shouldn't get mischievous. But we just don't think brunch is the place to do it. There's a great time to feel that way, and that's at the end of the day after you've done your stuff, and that is what a dinner party is for. Yeah, the dinner party. Well, and what's interesting is there was a time in American culture where like a, people, that's what you did. You threw dinner parties, right? Yes. But what happened? Like, why did the dinner party decline and then brunch, this sort of Frankenstein meal, uh, take its <laughs> yeah. place? What happened there? What cultural changes do you think facilitated that? That's the spirit. Well, there are a lot of things. I mean, first of all, you know, brunch rose, you know, kind of started to come about when restaurateurs had this leftover food that they needed to move or go bad. So they decided, you know, you buy, they buy a bunch of steaks expecting to sell them Saturday night dinner. They don't sell them. So they turn it into a beef hash and the next day and they, and they charge you for it. So that, that's one reason there started to be a surge in restaurants serving brunch. Parallel to that, and, and we, you know, the New York Times, other, other Wall Street Journal people have written about this. You know, people feel like a dinner party is too much heavy lifting. It's overwhelming. It's, uh, you know, they're too busy, they think, to go home and, and prepare a meal. And I think the, the, the when, you know, when people think of a dinner party often, they think of like a tablecloth. They think of like perfect china. They think of three course meals. And uh, I think that's really anxiety producing when the truth is we advocate, the dinner party we advocate for, you know, they don't have to be, they don't have to be such a, such a huge undertaking. So I think it's a little bit, um, you know, people got busy, people got intimidated, restaurants started to kind of uh, seduce people with their, their clapboards on the, on, in the front of their restaurants, seducing people to come in with bottomless mimosas. And, and I do think overall too, people stopped relying on themselves a little bit, you know, restaurant life is easy. It's you snap in there and uh, you just like park and, and it's like being like an adolescent forever. Like you just like, Wah. That, you know, I want this, I want this. You order people around, they give you food, you hand a piece of plastic and you leave. And I feel like, you know, I, I don't think I have to give too many examples that our society's in many ways deteriorating around us. And I'm not going to say brunch is the culprit, but I'm saying brunch is the culprit. Yeah, no. Yeah. So it, <laughs> brunch keeps you a, a perpetual adolescent. Dinner parties are for yeah. grownups because you, you do it yourself. Agreed. Right? Agreed. Well, among, among many reasons, like dinner parties, look, here's the thing. There's the host of a dinner party and that person has to be on point. Like you're kind of an Uber adult in some sense. And yet the guests, they, I'm not saying every, it's not that the world is, doesn't have to be some militaristic operation. The guests there get to fully, completely relax. And, and, and in fact, like if you're the host, you know, if you're a guest, your job is to relax, is to enjoy yourself. And why we also advocate for dinner parties is that they happen in, in your private home and in a private home, then things can actually, you can be fully human. Like, can you pick up a guitar at a, at a restaurant and start strumming some silly song? Could you light up a cigarette if, you know, or could you, you know, dance on, on, on the tables? Like those things cannot happen at a brunch spot, but they can happen at a dinner party. So I don't want people to think that, a, you know, a di dinner party has to be this formal affair, but, but it's more like, yes, it's more of an adult setting because you're in someone's home, there's someone hosting it. And you, it's at the end of the day, after you've kind of done your adult things, and then we have some rules, rules of the road about dinner parties that we're very flexible about ultimately. But things like, you know, at a dinner party, we think that you shouldn't have your employer there. You shouldn't have more than 25% immediate family. You shouldn't have things that make you feel obligated and that may impinge upon you feeling completely free in a sense. See, I mean, I really think that idea of why people don't throw dinner parties, particularly I think millennials in the age of Instagram where everything has to look perfect. 
they don't want to do themselves. They, they don't feel like they can meet the expectations that the internet will have for them on what a party or get together should, should look like. So they're just like, ah, I'll just outsource that and go somewhere else where, yeah, a restaurant takes care of it and makes, it looks really cool. It, it makes for great Instagram photos at a, 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 a swanky, not a swanky restaurant, like a, a, a hip restaurant that's serving brunch. Exactly right. Yeah. No, I mean, I feel like that short circuited us and made us feel bad about ourselves in many ways, but you know, look, uh, have, has anyone invited you? Like, have you ever been invited to have dine at someone's house and gone there and been like, this food is awful. Like, no, you're excited that someone invited you over. You know, you're excited. You're, you're excited that you're able to talk with your friends and listen to some music and what a treat for you as the guest to just not even have to pay, frankly, even on that on that basic a level. So the idea that the food has to be perfect or that the you know the timing has to be off or timing has to be perfect is is a bit naive because what makes a dinner party, you know, part of the beauty of it is that that is artisanal. It is a reflection of the host. And it isn't some business plan that's been dialed in like a restaurant. So it is going to have some rough edges. So I, I think if anything, what makes a dinner party better than uh, an ideal brunch or Instagram is that it's human. And that's what makes people feel comfortable. You know, if you go to a dinner party and it is stuffy and everything is perfect, you're not going to feel comfortable in, in a sense. It's, it's unre- it sets unrealistic expectations. All right. So hosting dinner parties is often seen some, you know, seen as something that ladies do, right? And I think like dinner party, I think like 1950s etiquette manuals, like you said, the tablecloth, the, the, the silverware, whatever, uh, make the case that dude should be throwing dinner parties too. I mean, I think I think I, I try to, you know, live in an, an enlightened universe in which the distinction between do, what dudes and ladies do is is no longer there, uh, in a sense. So I feel like, you know, we can expand upon the idea of of who we are. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm I'm the I've always been the cook in my relationships and stuff like that. And so I, I and my my uncle, like the people in my life that I admire who are men, often are are the cooks and stuff. So I, I feel like any gender can do this. But I get what you're saying. The frame in which you're coming from, approaching this question is that. Well, you know, what what can make someone who is a bit alpha and maybe testosterone feel like it's it's okay to host this? Because often barbecues are considered the domain for men. Right. We don't think barbecues are dinner parties. We we endorse barbecues, but they're a very different thing. They can happen any hour of the day. People, you know, and you can bring friends along, people can wear flip-flops. There's a lot of stuff about a barbecue that makes it not a dinner party. So, but but I would feel, you know, let's just go back to this. So a dinner party, we also advocate is like the root of civilization. And we think Here's what here's how dinner parties happen. Years ago, there was a caveman named Thorog, and he clubbed a pterodactyl, and he brought it home, and he cooked it over a fire. And then he and his wife, Karen, had some leftover pterodactyl, and they were like, let's invite Erg and his wife over. And then they invited to them, invited that other couple into their home. Now, these, these, these people weren't related. They're right. Biologically, there was no necessity to protect these people or feed these people. They just did it because they had some extra meat and wanted to hang out. Like Thorag wanted to hang out with Erg. Karen wanted to hang out with Erg's <laughs> Erg's wife. I like her, I like her <laughs> name is Karen. <laughs> <laughs> but the point being, like that was the beginning of civilization. You know, when we finally had enough abundance that we can invite people over and just focus on being friends. It wasn't just we were out on the field being predators. You know, we we were, or you know, it was eat or be eaten. And like, look, we are in a civilized society. Fortunately, we're very fortunate here in this country. And if we're listening to podcasts, you know, you have, you know, you're, you're, you're probably doing okay to some extent. And so just, that's, that's the world we live in. And so to invite other people over to your home is actually a, a very powerful act. It's a magnanimous act. It's like, I have abundance, come share with, share it and let's forge friendship 
And I feel like that's a part about that's part of being a man. There's nothing, I don't know, I don't think there's anything that would make some alpha guy feel uncomfortable about that. In fact, he would feel kingly in a sense. You know, what what do kings do? They have feasts at their homes. Right. That's right. No, it's interesting. Yeah, that whole idea of uh, hospitality, if you go back in different ancient cultures, like men, that was like a competition. Like who could be the most hospitable? to, to yeah. guess. And sometimes they would yeah. they would go bankrupt trying to be the most generous host. Sure, sure. Completely. No, I just I just think that that frame, yeah, is of, you know, the, you know, the 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 genderness of the dinner party. I I hadn't, you know, I hadn't thought about it a bunch, but I think that if part of the idea of the art of manliness is how to be competent on some level, you know, knowing how to do this stuff is part of the toolkit of being a fully realized human. I think. And I, and I think it's something we take for granted. I think we spend a lot of our times being good employees, as I said, like being good employees, being good teammates, being good, you know, this. And this is a space like this is part of what it means to be, be a human being and why go through life not experiencing this sliver of it, which is you're right. It is about hospitality. But remember, dinner party is two things. They have hosts and there's guests. It's also learn how to be taken care of, like learn how to show up at a place, hold a conversation and and let go for a moment of your life in a very safe space because you're in a friend's home. All right, so you've been mentioning kind of w- rules of what makes a dinner party a dinner party. Uh, so yeah. barbecue is not a dinner party. No. Uh, if you invite someone <laughs> over for pizza and soda, dinner party, no? Not not a, not really a dinner party. I mean, you if you made the pizza at home, possibly a dinner party because look, if you know, there's a, you know, we think that if you're going to have a dinner party, you have to cook at least 51% of the food in your home. And that's partially because a dinner party is a reflection of you. So you need to get in the game a little bit. Like you need to like find the, you know, you, you need to, you need to cook it yourself, get involved. And actually the process of making the food will make you and your guests more appreciative. And again, what you decide to cook is a reflection of you. Now, if you order in pizza, that's a great thing to do. Not for a dinner party, because that's just like what you do, you know, after your friends help you move in or what you do on Friday night when you get home from work and it's like the kids and you don't have, you're too tired to cook. And it's like, let's just watch some movies and have some pizza, but that doesn't have a sense of occasion to it. Furthermore, we have other sub rules. Like if you're having a dinner party, it's a break from the insane 24 hour assault of advertising in our modern society. You can't even go to a bar without like a neon sign flashing some brand in your face. So we think when you have a dinner party, the table itself should be unadorned. It should just be the food and the drinks and maybe a wine bottle or beer bottle. But, you know, you're not going to bring out, uh, you know, domino sugar in a domino sugar box. Like you're not going to. And so to that extent, if you order pizza, it comes in a box and you're going to serve it in a box. Why else wouldn't you? And so that's another reason it doesn't make the perfect dinner party food. Soda, totally acceptable. But again, you can't have a two liter bottle hanging out on your table. You know, that that's just not, that's just not, not dinner party. Now, if you cook the pizzas at your home, that might, that might, get you within bounds there. Okay. So no advertisements. We're ad busters here. Well, I mean, look, there's a place for them and it's not at your home, man. It's not at your home. It's it's like, this is a place again, that focuses the conversation. It's the person's uh, uh, face right in front of you. It's what someone's saying to the left of you and it shouldn't, yeah, you don't want it. You don't want your table to just look like Times Square. So let's talk about like when, okay, dinner party. Let's talk about the timing. Dinner party has to be around dinner time. Yeah. That's why barbecue is not a dinner party because you can do that at four o'clock. Do that all day. Do it all day. Sure. So what time, like in the time of day, should you shoot for having a dinner party? I mean, I'm Thinking, I'm just trying to remember back in the book, at the time in my head, it's like between five and eight are your key times, but we think we should push it up closer to seven because if you're on the West Coast, you got 
LA, there's a lot of traffic. I mean, everywhere, Atlanta, all these places, there's lots of traffic. So you need people to give, give a break to come into your home and it gives you a little bit of a runway as a cook to get things started. So we think that that's your sweet spot. A dinner party should, can't have an end time. We think that's a whole different thing. A, a, a baby shower can have an end time. You know, a, a brunch can have an end time. But a dinner party, the idea is no, like relax from the rules and regulations, come to my home, and we're going to let it run its course. Now, look, we also have methods for getting people out of your home if they, if they stick around too long. But so the ideal time would probably be between like 6.30, 7 to get started. And then it's a few hours, but you're not really going to bracket it with another end time. And then it's also days of the week. You know, we, 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 Sundays are, are a bad day for dinner parties because everyone's anxious about Monday and getting back to work. Monday is a bad day for dinner party because Monday night you're doing all the stuff you should have done Sunday while you're anxious about being back at work. Tuesdays, we think, are just dumb. I mean, what's a Tuesday? So we're talking Wednesday through Saturday is your, is your, is your prime rib. That, that's your beautiful piece of dinner party time. We're pro Thursdays is a great spot because it adds a sense of occasion to a mundane week. People can maybe even get a little loose and be foggy on work on Friday. That's not unheard of. And there's less competition because Fridays and Saturdays, there's concerts and other events. But so Wednesday through Saturday are your ideal dinner party evenings. Yeah, I like Thursday. Thursdays are a good day for dinner Definitely. Parties, I think. Definitely. You can recover. You work and then you recover. You stay in sat Friday and then you have your whole weekend to, right. to take over the world. Yeah. And it gives you something to look, gives people something to look forward to. Yeah. You know, Monday. And, th- and that's a key point. That's a key point. One of our other rules, a holiday party, not a dinner party. These are, they're, 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 our, our year is sprinkled with senses of occasion that are wonderful. They're your friends have birthdays. Someone has a anniversary. There's Christmas comes up or Halloween. So that's already kind of makes your life feel like it adds a little frisson, adds a little fun. A dinner party is for, you know, the, the end of January or, or a space in, in the month where there's nothing special going on. The only thing special is you're like, hey, guys, come over here. There's going to be a burst of sunshine at my house. I'm like putting in a roast bring over a bottle of wine. We're going to listen to records and we're going to hang out. And that is exactly as you said, people are like, whoa, all right. And that kind of gets, pe- gets people a little excited. We think having a dinner party over Christmas, that's like giving a kid, taking a kid out for ice cream on Halloween. It's like, look, they've already got the joy and, and the kind of uh, sense of occasion taken care of. It's, uh, it's gilding the lily if you right. to do that. Yeah. Well, yeah. So yeah, that's an interesting point. Dinner parties are a way to make like a boring, mundane, flat life a little more interesting, give it a little pizzazz. A- absolutely. And, and particularly, you know, adulthood is a lot of adulthood and is, is taking care of others and it is being a good human, which are all important things. And you don't abandon those principles within a dinner party. But we like to call it, we like to think of the dinner party as like it's recess for adults. It's like it's the time where you get to then ask a silly question. It's where you get to, you know, maybe, maybe even have a little, a little dancing after, after dinner. It's where you get to maybe early on in the evening have one more drink than you would. Uh, but the idea is you need a release valve in life. Um, and this is this is a place where a forum where you can just relax. I mean, that's why we also advocate for not invite, you know, one of our rules is, as I mentioned earlier, less than 25% immediate family. Any more than that, you're gonna be in some Freudian morass, which is just gonna bring you to like that's what Thanksgiving's for is to have all those old battles you know <laughs> you don't want your boss over because all of a sudden people are acting a certain way and so the idea is just have friends and that's also you know at the heart of our book is about conversation and 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 how the world can be better the the truth of it is you know if you have an uncomfortable question or thought about politics is work the place to say it no on the sidelines of your son's soccer game to your your son's friend's mother 
No. You know, where can you do that anymore? Well, a dinner party is a, is a place for that. That's a place where you can say, hey, I don't understand this. You get to be a little bit, you know, actually getting back to you get to be a little childlike in a genuine way because you're in a very safe space uh, surrounded by friends who can throw mashed potatoes at your face or educate you about something. So, so yeah, that's, that's the, it's a sense of occasion and it is a, it is a special moment that can like enrich your life. We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. All right, guys, PSA next week is Valentine's day. And if you're looking for a perfect gift, last minute gift, that's not terrible, not a plush teddy bear. You need to check out the perfectly paired gift from Sherry's Berries. Here's how it works. You order the perfectly paired gift. It's two gifts in one. You're going to get dipped strawberries and gorgeous flowers, and they arrive together in a beautiful, specially designed box that will keep your berries cold and your flowers fresh guaranteed. The berries from Sherry's Berries, we've talked about these before. They're delicious. They're giant, dipped in chocolatey goodness. They're fantastic. They, they taste great. The flowers that you get are great as well. Most mail order flowers I've gotten my wife, they've lasted maybe a week. These bouquet of roses, they went two weeks, man. They were still looking good. So some great flowers, some quality here. You pick your date, the delivery date, and it's guaranteed. And if you ever have any problems, not happy with your order, customer satisfaction is their number one priority. So if you're not satisfied, you'll get your money back. Got a special offer for my podcast listeners. You can save 20% on any perfectly paired combination or any other gift over $29 with my promo code manliness. So go to berries.com, that's B-E-R-R-I-E-S.com, pick out the perfectly paired gift, because this is awesome, your Valentine's gonna love this, and use promo code manliness to get 20% off your order. Again, it's a limited time offer, and Valentine's will be here before you know it, so act fast, berries.com, code manliness. Also buy proper cloth. So buying a dress shirt, big pain in the rear, you go to the department store, you measure your neck, you buy a shirt that corresponds to your neck size, Neck fits great, but everything else on the shirt fits terribly. So you go up a size on your neck. Everything else fits great on the shirt, but your neck fits, doesn't look good. It's too big. What you need to do is get made to measure, but you're probably thinking Brett's going to be really expensive, take a lot of time. Not so with proper cloth. Propercloth.com. You can easily create a custom shirt size in seconds by just answering 10 simple questions. No tape measure required. After answering those 10 questions to get the perfect fit, you can then choose over 20 collar styles, 10 cuff styles, and over 500 fabric styles. So you can completely customize this thing however you want. They've got business casual, business, formal dress shirts, you name it, they've got it. And the team at Proper Cloth works with the best fabric producers from around the world and only buy fabrics that meet their high quality expectations. Best of all, Proper Cloth guarantees a perfect fit, meaning that if somehow your shirt doesn't fit perfectly, they're going to remake it for free. I did this, got a nice Oxford button down made. I answered the 10 questions, I was a little, little dubious, got the shirt and it fit me like a glove. So if you're ready to try this at a special discount, here's what you got to do. Go to propercloth.com slash manliness. And if you enter code manliness, you'll save $20 off your first shirt. Shirts start at $80, so it's pretty affordable. Get in propercloth.com slash manliness, code manliness to save $20 on your first shirt. Do it today. And now back to the show. Yeah, that's what I love about the conversation. Like The conversation for me is what the, what makes a dinner party fantastic. Because I feel like, again, yeah, people are less guarded and they're yeah. willing to say things that they otherwise probably wouldn't say on Twitter or Facebook or, you know, in private, like, because they're not going to get their yeah. head bit off. Right. And they're, they're, they're yeah. playing with yeah. ideas and you can't do that yeah. in a lot of other places. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Right. I mean, I, I think, you know, I think there are large, you know, the public square is in our country for good reason is, you know, certain discussions are just uncomfortable to have with strangers. Now I would like that to open up. I wish we could just really just be maybe a little bit looser and feeling feeling more you know closer to our our fellow citizens and 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 people that we live life with especially at this moment there's a certain polarization people are 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 feeling chilled in their speech and from both sides of the political spectrum and other places but that is not healthy at all and that's not how new things happen new things happen over debate new things happen when people don't pretend they know something and that's exactly right a dinner party 
that's your spot. Like that's where your friends sitting across from you or your friend invited her friend who actually represent, you know, it does this job. You're like, Oh, I've always wondered about this and you're not going to be judged or condemned because everyone feels, you know, this glow has been created between the cocktails and like the music and just the vibe and the host host themselves that that's the forum to do it. And they can tell you like, you're an absolute idiot and they're not going to start a fight. Like that's okay too, because there is this, um, it is this space of just kind of, it's definitely a free speech zone. That's for sure. Right. So you, speaking of conversation, are there certain, like, are, do you think there's topics that are off limits at a dinner party or should you be able to, should you be able to wade into that? We, we, the old rules were like, don't talk about politics and religion. And we think we're, look where that's brought us. Like you, we think everything is open for the discussion as long as it's done tactfully and, and we give you strategies for having certain discussions. You know, you don't just want to jump right into it. Our book kind of, after we, give you our anti-brunch manifesto we then give you go take you through a dinner party from beginning to end and look there's a time for small talk small talk is often disparaged uh for for being like oh that that's that's empty calories what's the point of that well the point of that is is early on people are getting meeting each other not everyone already knows each other so you got to ease into things you got to test the waters you got to see who has a sense of humor or maybe who's more of an intellectual and it's not for you to self-censor later, but it is just everyone to feel comfortable around each other, have a drink. So I wouldn't come right in and start talking about abortion. But you know, once you get to know each other and the food's happening, and if someone has a serious question, absolutely, you should be able to bring up whatever you, whatever you want, as long as you know you follow the basic rules of the road, which are like you know you be respectful for political. Dis- we have a subsection about talking about politics. You know, one of the rules there is is relevant to everything, which is you should go in there. You're not going to change someone's mind over the course of two hours you know if you, you all of a sudden you know you're not going to convince maybe um a liberal that everyone should be carrying an assault rifle to preschool but on the other hand you're not going to convince you know uh someone on the other end of the political spectrum that you know uh, you know you're not going to have them join this transgender coffee clutch held on sundays uh at the local corner you know and so as long as you go in there knowing like look we're not going to change everyone's mind but I'm going to share an idea or share a thought, or I wanted some more information about your side of the story. And then once you get to a point where you find yourselves repeating each other, you feel the heat rising, you just shift out of it because that's, that's, that's faulty reasoning to think like, oh, well, I'm going to convince them. It's like, no, it should be like, hey, I have a question about this. And then you can kind of share your thought on it. But then once it starts to get repetitive, you just tastefully turn your head to the guest to the right of you, fill your mouth with a piece of roast beef and agree to disagree. Well, so how do you in order to have those type of conversations, you got to invite the right kind of people. And one of the things you talk about, you know, why brunch is terrible is that when you go to brunch, you look around, everyone is just like you. If you're, if you're going to brunch, you're probably relatively affluent, got a lot of time. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You listen to the same music. You don't want that at a dinner party. So how do you, how do you capture that sort of diversity of opinions and people and backgrounds at a dinner party? Yeah. And and this is a trick because you do want to feel comfortable. You do want to create the space we talked about where everyone feels loose and this, so this really is up, up to the, the, you know, the host needs to, you know, everyone needs to like respect that host and kind of create, the host needs to create a space of trust. And so that you need, that needs to be your guide about who you're ultimately bringing in the mix. We have those basic rules of the road. I kind of laid out to you, which is you don't want a ton. You don't want your, like your mother there and your aunt, because that's going to turn into another thing. And might chill out. You don't want your bosses there, but yeah, you, you're going to invite maybe tops 12, minimum four people, although we think five is a little bit better for various reasons. And then, and then within that, within that spectrum of people, you invite the people you wanted to catch up with, you invite those people you, but you know, so there's going to be a little squad of those folks. Like we were just meeting to catch up 
And then maybe there's that other layer of people you met at an event or, or an, you know, just people that kind of caught your eye at, a, at a, whether it was, I don't know, a book opening or whether it was like a church or something, just like whatever people that you see that you're like, those are kind of cool. That's, this is the space to invite them over and kind of bring them in a little bit, as long as, again, they're not going to overlap with you professionally. And then we also encourage you to, you know, I, I was at a, a dinner party at my friend's house a couple months ago, and he invited, he teaches at a, at a college, and he, there, he invited a security guard there, that this woman that he talks to every morning catches up with her, you know, to learns about her, learns about her family. She asks after his, and he just invited her over. That was a totally interesting, you know, added a, a different dynamic to a dinner party and opened it up. So it's kind of people that you've encountered over life that you've kind of have a good feeling about that you want to learn more about, bring them in. I mean, if someone says, Hey, I can't, I, I can't make it that Tuesday. You know, my, my college roommates in town and man, you wouldn't like him. He's a uptight investment banker libertarian it's like well if he can hang out with himself like if, if you think he's cool invite him along let's have that discussion so you kind of look for opportunities that bring in one or two people that might be wild cards as long as they're vetted in the sense that someone vouches for them or you have a good feeling about them and then that's the mix because that's the only way we're going to learn is if we hear some different opinions all right well so we so far we've been talking a lot about like when to do a dinner party the type of people to invite. we haven't talked about the food but you guys say in the book like the food is like the least important thing at a dinner party why is that it's a dinner dinner is food why is it the least important well, part it's, of it? well i think it's something you got to earlier in our conversation um, which is people have anxiety about food. That's, I think, one of the reasons they don't throw dinner parties is they look at Instagram and they see all these beautiful meals or they watch the Food Network. And it's like, guess what? Like, this is basically social bribery. You're inviting people over for a free meal and you're plying them with booze. Like, don't worry about it. They're going to be happy to be there. And so we think that this is a point of anxiety. So we just like take it on his face, which is like, this is the least important part. The, par- the important part of a dinner party is the atmosphere, is conversation, is the mix of people that are there. And yes, there are some things, some rules of the road for food, which we unpack in, in this chapter, but don't psych yourself out if you're not a cook. We give you some very basic recipes and give you some stra- uh, strategies for how to find other things that you might want to cook. But you know, if you're at someone's house and you, and you get a, or let's put it this way, if you're at brunch and someone brought you your eggs and you ordered them fried and they came scrambled, you would complain. Or if it was oversalted, you would complain. If you're at someone's house and they serve you, say, uh, pasta and it's a little bit overcooked, are you going to complain? No, you're not going to complain. You're just going to like maybe eat a couple bites and move to the vegetables or something like that because you're just kind of overjoyed to be at someone's house. You didn't go there for the ideal meal. You went there for the event. And so, yeah, we say it's, it's the least important part of the party because getting people into your home, kind of creating an atmosphere of camaraderie, having some good music, some lighting, some other things we talk about, the food itself isn't isn't the main reason that that people are there so keep it super simple like a pasta dish roast is like you know meat is like super simple to cook yeah we advocate for that we have we call it stu- i call it stunt meat and this is something i do all the time which is i'm having a bunch of people over i get um a, a big like roast or i get a you could get a chicken or you could get a you know a ham you know i've done this every way and if you're a cook you know that this is a trick because ultimately a ham is you put a glaze on it you score it and you throw that thing in the oven and you kind of forget about it for hours. And that leaves you time to kind of quickly clean your house and get ready for, for the other, for arrivals. But when you bring it out, it's very dramatic looking to have a roast. Um, it is uh, non cooks are like, Oh my God, this person's a genius. But even real cooks are like, Whoa, that, that guy went all out. It just has a sense of occasion about it. And then, you know, you carve it and there's just 
tons of it. You know, Dorothy Parker has a quote about ham. Eternity is a ham between two people because you would just eat it forever, leftovers and on and on. But a ham with 12 people, that's an occasion. Like that, that, that's a party. So yeah, we have some meats, but we, we do advocate for keeping it simple. If you're going to mix it up with a new appetizer or some 11 ingredient thingamabob, we would say do that for the our first course or like a nibble or a nosh when people arrive. But I wouldn't like bet the house and all your time and all your ingredients on, on an, uh, like a real we, alpha entree like if you've never made paella, now is not the time to make paella. You know, like if you've never made, you know, if you've never made this uh, eleven ingredient vegan chipino, like now is not the time to do that either. Just stick to some basic things: veggie, starch, protein, and you'll be fine. Awesome. So, okay. Besides the food giving you anxiety, giving people anxiety, why they don't do it. The other part that gives people anxiety is just like, even just inviting people over. Cause you're afraid, like you're, you're going back to like middle school when you, you ask someone to a party, you ask a girl out and you're afraid they're going to say no. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. Why should that, why should people not worry about that? I mean, uh, you know, we just, I, I guess the truth is like, forget about it. It's the idea of like, remember, you're basically giving people a gift. Like in a really even coarse terms, you could just say, you're inviting someone to a dinner party. Like you're giving them like hundreds of dollars of, of, of value for free. It would be a real <laughs> market market way to look at it. But it just in a general way, it's like, who cares? People are busy. You can't, you can't, you got to let the water flow off your back. If, if people can't make it, they're adults and they'll tell you they can't make it, but people are going, are going to come. And part of the rule, we have an invitation section. And one of the things is like with, there are various things. We, we, we think we are pro spontaneous dinner party. If you're talking to people at, at an event, at a concert, and you're like, Hey, what are you doing this Saturday? You should go for it. If the impulse moves you and then figure it out, figure it out later, like invite first and figure out the rest of the guest list later. But also, you know, you can invite people. The difference between a dinner party and other parties, like a barbecue or a pool party is you do tell people they have to tell you they're coming. Only the people you invite can arrive. They can't bring a gang of four people. And so you, you tell people when it begins. There's like a relatively, you know, it starts at seven. We let you come as late as 7.30. But there's some formal structure that once people agree, they're going to commit to it. They're going to get a babysitter or they're going to actually mark it on their calendar. And that means the likelihood of them arriving is much, much higher than if you're like, oh, yeah, we're going to open up our house and have a barbecue on, on Saturday. Well, that's cool. And people might show up. A hundred people might show up. Five people might show up. A dinner party, you have, you know, maybe 10 people are coming. And then if two of them back out, you can fill up that slot. But I, I guess there's a frame and and it's and it's such a fun treat for people that you're going to get people to agree and they're going to commit. Once, once they commit, they're going to follow through. Right. Yeah, that's the thing. I th- when we've had dinner parties, like people are waiting to be asked. I think oftentimes you're, people are afraid to ask. It's like, oh, no, they don't want, no one wants to get invited. They're, they're too busy. It's like, no, no one's busy. Everyone's at home watching Netflix, not doing yeah. anything. They're waiting for somebody to give them a plan. So be that guy, be the guy that makes that person. Exactly. Day. People love it. And look, if it's a couple, like even if one of them is like, I don't want to, by the time they arrive, like they're, they're going to enjoy themselves. Like, cause it's just like, go ahead. You, if you're, if you're being grumpy, like you, you go sit in a chair, have a drink. And I bet you you'll open up if the dinner party is being hosted correctly. But for a lot of people, you're right. It's like a gift. It's like, Whoa, I had like no plans. And now all I have to do is drive over to, you know, Brendan's house and, and at around seven and just like sit back and enjoy myself. Like, sure, let's do it. Another thing people like don't do dinner parties is like, they don't want to have to clean their house or they're afraid people are going to make fun of their house because it's not 
properly decorated. What's your take on that? I mean, again, that this is an uh, this, uh, you know, keep in mind you're giving people something free. They've already ex- agreed to come join you. They're not looking to punish you. And why a dinner party is better than brunch? Like they're not expecting perfection. What makes true friendship? It's your it's your it's your buddy who is honest with you, you know, about about their lives. That you know they're vulnerable to an extent. Like that's really what kind of creates like the real um, a glue of, of friendships and bonds. And so your home, like, don't sweat it. The only thing that you really need to do is if you have no time to do anything else, is like you have to clean your bathroom. Don't be don't be a, an animal. And in fact, that's the one place people are going to be alone under bright lighting at some point in the evening. So make sure that's dialed in. You also might want to peek in your medicine cabinet because one of your guests might. So make sure everything in there is fine with, you're fine with other people seeing. And then after that, look, the kitchen can stay a mess. We actually think coming into, a, like seeing that kitchen that people are cooking in has this sense of industry. It has this sense of fun. And, you know, that's often where a lot of the early parties happening. Someone's spinning around, they're frying this, they're doing that. Bottles are open, boxes are open. That's actually kind of cool and fun. And then, you know, your living room, we just need a, all you need, and this is one of the dinner party rules, is a table. This is why buffets and potlucks aren't really dinner parties, because you need a table that everyone can sit around. That's where conversation can happen. So you have one clean table, you know, do a quick scan of the room, make sure you don't have like a bicycle part on your credenza or like, you know, last year's, um, you know, backpacker's guide to Vietnam or something laying around. And then the lighting, the less, the better. This is basically like an Instagram filter on your life. Everyone prefers dim lighting. It makes them all look younger. It adds a, a sense of romance. But and then pile the coats on on a, on a bed, and that that's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. So what do you do after you eat? Right, like food's been eaten. There's conversations happen. Like what do you do? You play what do you play charades? You dance? You just keep talking? I mean, what's your? Take? I mean, D all the above. We we have a different. We have a couple paths to what you can do at the at the end of a dinner party. You know, sometimes. Like the table's cleared, some desserts come out, and that can be as simple as like just three chocolate bars, you know, broken open and shared with people. But it can be more complex if if you we we allow you to outsource a cake if you need to. But once that's done and people are coffee, I think that this is an underrated part of the dinner parties. In fact, the reason I have dinner parties is for the moment you are talking about right now, which is everyone now is like, you know, maybe a little bit of loose. They've had some good conversation. They've taken everyone's measure. There's been some music playing in the background. This is like the delicious part of being an adult. You have a babysitter at home. You don't have to go to work the next day. Or if you do, you've already adjusted for it in your mind. <clears throat> and we say, say, you know, savor these moments. And you can go a couple different ways. One is everyone just, if you have enough space, they pile into the living room and they're just laying on the couch and you're playing music and if people want to have a cigarette, they can do that. If people want something more than a cigarette, if the host is willing, they can do that too. Now would be the time. <clears throat> Sit back, finish the wine. And this is where really deep conversation can go on. You can you can follow through on things. Or as you mentioned, there, there are a bunch of games that can be played. Uh, we are a little less pro parlor game. I am because I feel like they're a little bit pushy because if you don't play them, you feel ostracized. But we can see the value in them if everyone's game and we have a list of, of games people can play. And then I'm a big advocate for the, the I call it the the PDPDP, which is the post dinner party dance party, and and I think that this is again for adults who don't you know why why should we live a life where we only dance when we go to someone's wedding anymore you know but I'm not going to go to the club anymore like I like I don't go out dancing unfortunately so this is a space to do it if you have the right crowd you've been playing music and we have a whole chapter about playlists and music etc. This would be the time maybe you like phase in some maybe upbeat music and you could you could do a little dancing. 
This is the beauty of not being at a brunch spot where people are ushering you out the door because they need to flip the table to make more money. And you see 35 people giving you the death glare from behind the host stand. This is the time where you can just lounge, you can dance, you can pick up a guitar, you can, you can, you can do whatever you want. It's a golden moment. Well, so you said dinner parties are sort of open-ended, no end time. What if you got an early day the next day? How do you give people the hint that, you know, it's time to, time to head out? I mean, I mean, you should have, you should have, you should have thought about that before you had your dinner parties, but things do come up. You're having this on a Thursday and all of a sudden projects do, you know, we actually in the book, we have a flow chart called, should I kick these guys out? And it's very elaborate. And, and we, you know, I would refer you directly to that. I can't completely do it justice here. But the truth, and but the rules of the flow chart are kind of what we've talked about. Like, is it a weekday? It's like, uh, it's like no. All right, well, is it after midnight? No. And like, what? You know, like it gives you paths to like, you know, maybe you should keep this party going. But again, that's the host. They they can close it. You're you're not a you don't have to be a victim to someone else who doesn't want to go face their home life again. Gotcha. Well, hey, Brendan, this has been a great conversation. Is there anywhere people can go to learn more about the book and your work? Yeah, they can go to uh, brunchishell.com. It's our website that talks about the book. And it also kind of talks about some of the other projects Rico and I are working on. I'm also executive producer of the Parish Review podcast right now. It also sends you to the Dinner Party Download, our podcast uh, that gives background on, on how to prepare you for your dinner party. So yeah, brunchishell.com is where they can learn more. Fantastic. Brendan Noonan, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Hey, thanks so much for having me. My guest today is Brandon Noonan. He is the co-author of the book, Brunch is Hell. It's available on Amazon.com and bookstores everywhere. Also check out his podcast, The Dinner Party Download, where you get more insights and advice on how to host a killer dinner party. Also check out our show notes at aom.is slash brunch is hell, where you can find links to resources where you can delve deeper into this topic. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. For more manly tips and advice, make sure to check out the Art of Manliness website from artofmanliness.com. And if you enjoy the podcast, I'd appreciate it if you take a minute to give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. It helps out a lot. And if you've already done that, thank you. Please share the show with your friends and family members. Word of mouth is how this thing grows. As always, thank you for your continued support. And until next time, this is Brett McKay telling you to stay manly.